The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Hey, congratulations to the UIS baseball team. Isn't that fantastic? Wow. They are playing in the Division II Baseball Championships. The bracket for that Division II Baseball Championship has been announced. University of Illinois at Springfield will play the seventh, will be the seventh seed at the event. The Prairie Stars will face Point Loma in a first-round game Saturday at 6 p.m. The Division II Baseball Championships will take place from June 4th to the 11th in Cary, North Carolina. Games will be played at the USA Baseball Training Complex Prairie Stars will play June 4th and then June 6th, the double elimination tournament. Remainder of their schedule will depend on those results. UIS was placed in the same side of the bracket as second-seeded Point Loma and third-seeded Southern Arkansas. They uh, advanced UIS, Prairie Stars baseball team, for advanced for the first time in program history. Uh, the Prairie Stars earned a spot championship after defeating Quincy two games on last Saturday. Congratulations, UIS. They are 48-9 and nine on the year. So a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment for UIS baseball team playing the Division II, Division II National Championships, and they will play a couple games at Double Elimination Tournament, one on the fourth, one on the sixth. We'll see what happens. Uh, it is 10 past the hour. Um, Alderman Chuck Redpath, they're still in your ward, right? That's, that's part of Ward 1, is it not? Absolutely is. Now, we haven't talked to you for a while. When you look at the map, uh, the the map that's been suggested, uh, what's going to happen to Ward 1? What are you losing and what are you picking up? And I guess it's all up for negotiation, right? Well, it all is. And you know how that works, Sam. It, you know, we had the professionals come in and give us their best uh, assessment of how that should be put together. And basically they broke it down by population because – a lot of uh, people had moved around and people had moved out, and uh, the, the numbers on the east side were very, very low due to the census. And so they had to adjust a little bit, and they came back basically with 11,900 people roughly, despite what it came down to for uh, the number of people in each ward. So they did it basically on, on making sure that there was a representation of, of the citizens. But, you know, there's... There's always that extra thing, you know. There's always a little politics involved, so you don't. You don't uh, nobody's going to be happy, you know. I told him straight out of the gate, draw me a map. I'll run wherever it is. It doesn't matter to me because, you know, I'm going to run and and uh, do the best I can for whoever I whoever I, I represent. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a few things being tweaked, and you're going to see some uh, probably some amendments come forward to to uh, uh, change a few things, but we'll see how that happens. Can you trade? I mean, can you go to another alderman who's contiguous with you and, and say, hey, I'll give you these couple of precincts, you give me two of yours. Can you do that, and who has to okay that? The city council has a complete control over this. Uh, the mayor would only get involved in, in if he vetoed the, the amendments or if he or if he was the deciding vote. So it's completely up to the city council. Um, 
you know, we, I think the map we got, I could live with it, but I know there's some other aldermen that are concerned and want to make some changes, so we'll see what they have to say, but it's completely up to the city council. Do you, uh, and the proposed map, couple of them, are you losing a lot of area, and, and are you gaining? Are you picking anything up? Well, I lost two precincts along uh, 92, 93, which is right uh, by Industrial Park area um, on 55. I lost two precincts to <clears throat> Ward 6, uh, Alderman DeCenso's area. And uh, I moved over and picked up Piper Glen uh, all the way on the west end of town. Wow. Ralph, Ralph Hanauer made a joke and said, yeah, buy a new truck drive all the way over there. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, it, it's... There, there's tweaks being made. We'll see what happens. I, I met with uh, Alderman Hanauer, and we looked at a few things just to see if we could, you know, make people happy. But, you know, I don't know if you could ever make anybody, everybody always happy, but that's that's the process, you know. Speaking of uh, making people happy and so are you surprised with the long debate about the firehouses? How comfortable are you where they're at, what they're talking about? Uh, do we need more time, or, or what's... What's slowing this thing up a little bit? Uh, well, you know, there's some concern because we have an EPA, uh, some some uh, problems with uh, some of the soil at the Hobbs right Hobbs location. Uh, I know that some people are upset that they're moving a house out to Ward Ten, uh, out by Panther Creek, which I don't blame Alderman Hanauer. He he threw a fit because. Uh, he said, hey, look, my response time is seven, eight minutes. That's not acceptable. And he threw it out to the council. Which one do you want to have seven or eight minutes response times to your board? So I, I understand that, and I think it's time that we added a, a firehouse. Springfield's growing southwest, and uh, it had to happen. The one uh, over in Ward 8, this is uh, Monroe and Chattanooga. That's always been a tough location to get the fire trucks out of there. Because, uh, well, when they put a Starbucks next door, that was almost impossible. They lined up out the door. So, but, uh, so they're moving that one up the hill to, uh, a couple blocks. Uh, it'll be more in Ward 9 than Ward 8 now. Uh, and then the Ward 6 one, uh, where the Hobbs location, they have to cover that area. They, they, they were blocked because of the railroad relocation. So they can't get out on 56th Street like they used to be able to. Now they have to, if they go that way, they have to go around, and that's not acceptable either. So uh, the Hobbs location is probably the right decision. And listen, uh, you know me, I've been tough on the fire department, but I, we got to stand with our professionals on this one. I, I know the chief and, and his team uh, got together, and they, they did the numbers, and they, they put it where it had to be, and it's got to be right in that area. Uh, I know some other aldermen want to move somewhere else. Um, we just need to, I, and you know, I pushed the. I think I cast the deciding vote on, on uh, sending it to the to the council for approval, con- with the contention that if it comes back and it's too expensive, we're going to have to do something else because we can't pay a half a million dollars for a piece of property. That's ridiculous. So uh, those those are the problems that we ran into, but uh, we're going to get it worked out. And uh, you know, this is a historic time for the city of Springfield, Sam, because. Uh, we've never built three farmhouses. Yeah, for since, sure. Since I've been on the city council since, eight, since 1987. We've never built this many, and, and we bought six new fire units. I mean, trucks and, and quints and these other things. So it's a historical time, and we can never do this again because we're using the ARP money. We're using 
we put a whole bunch of different monies that we were able to save during the during the uh, pandemic to put all this together. So next year we can't do this. We're going to be it's going to be tough financial times in the next couple of years. Alderman Chuck Redpath visiting with us. You talked about being on the council since '87. That was the inception, of course, of the aldermanic form of government. Um, does each council term have its own personality and how has that changed over the years has it changed were they a little more agreeable back in 87 and 91 than maybe we're seeing today <laughs> yes that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good analogy because it's a different a bunch of different personalities than it used to be and it's you know everybody's trying to do their best to represent their ward from what they think their ward wants and uh uh, a good friend of mine, his name was uh, Tom Madonia Sr., told me uh, when he re- represented Ward 1, he said, you, you other aldermen in the city have no idea what it's like because of what the things he had to deal with out here with the lake and the utility and the leases and and all the other stuff. And he said, you don't have any idea. Well, I, I laughed at him at the time. I said, oh, Tom, you're full of it. And, he said, and then I got elected here, and I went, holy moly, he was right. <laughs> You know, so, yeah, it's it's all different, Sam. Everybody's got different issues, different problems. I know for myself, um, I probably field a dozen calls a week, and I actually go visit constituents on a regular basis. Uh, Being being retired, it's easier for me to do that. Some of the aldermen have full-time jobs and can't do that, but we all keep up in different ways, and everybody handles their words differently. But there are are ten different personalities on that city council. Alderman Ward, one Chuck Redpath visiting with us. Uh, you alluded to the fact uh, that you are going to seek re-election in whatever ward they place you. Uh, a year ago, you, I think, were giving very serious consideration. Uh, there were people lining up behind you. Some resources were flowing in. Uh, you had got some fairly interesting uh, and important commitments that you were contemplating running for mayor. I presume that is off the table at the moment. Well, it's not completely off the table. Uh, I met with some, some leadership uh, last week, and, uh, you know, we're, we're waiting to see what happens. But uh, if I don't decide to run for mayor, I'm going to run for re-election. And uh, the thing is, is that um, there's other people that are contemplating running for mayor, too. I think they're, I think they're serious, and some of them are going to be tough contenders. But uh, that's the way it is. I, I'm going to do what's best for my family, and I'm going to do what's best for the people I represent. And, you know, I think I've done a pretty good job out here in Ward 1, and if I don't run for mayor, I'm going to run for re-election. Okay, let's talk about, uh, we're going to have Doug Brown on tomorrow. Let's talk about the brownouts. Did that hit like a bolt out of the sky when you first heard the term brownouts and what Springfield may experience? Bring us up to date how serious a situation. I heard somebody said if it brown is only going to be about a 10 or 15 minute duration. What can you tell us about it from your perspective? Well, I, I forecasted this a long time ago. You know, I, I followed the utility pretty, pretty closely. Uh, you know, I've always been a guy that uh, wanted to make sure that we were an independent energy people uh, that's how what our forefathers did they built this utility so we would not have to depend on the on the grid or anybody else to provide power to us well that's in the last four years that's that is it's been demised it's, it's not happening no more we have we are dependent completely on the grid and it's unfortunate because we should have been taking steps to shore up what we had and 
and make sure that we had the power to take care of our residents, but we don't. So now what do we do? Uh, we, we hold on to uh, Unit 4 as best we can, keep that thing running, and and then we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do. And, and what we're going to end up having to do is buy power. And I can tell you that um, uh, there is going to be brownouts, and they're, they're thinking just brownouts this year, but they're talking next year it's going to be a lot more serious to complete blackouts. And that's not acceptable. Um, we got to think outside the box. We got to try to figure out how we can uh, shore this up to, you know, we have a gas turbine out on 55, and that we use for some of the power to to back up when we when we go down. But we it's not big enough. And I don't know if we if we look at increasing the size of our gas turbine out there uh, in order to shore that up. Uh, I I don't know, Sam. We're, we're counting on our professionals, and look, we got good people at CWLP. Doug Brown is doing the best he can, uh, but uh, we, we're at a we're at a bad time for us as a utility. Is this all because of changing in mandates from the federal level, from the EPA, and and whatever administration happens to be in power, and and moving away from fossil fuels? Is that's what this is all about? It absolutely is, and let me just tell you. Uh, the political atmosphere is going to change in five months. You know that. And here's the thing. The Congress Congress is not happy. They're all getting beat up by their constituents about what are we going to do about gas prices? What are we going to do about utility prices? Well, the country's not happy. And I think that you're going to see when the Congress changes that they're going to be able to hold uh, the president, uh, you know, a little bit hostage to the point where he's not going to be able to impose some of this ridiculous left-wing craziness i mean we can't afford to go on paying five and six dollars a gallon for gas we can't afford not to open up our pipelines uh that pipeline and then the fracking and all that other stuff i understand where where the where the people are coming from that they they think that we need to clean clean that up but bottom line is we can't go on like this it's crazy and you know they're blaming it on the pandemic they're blaming it on the war well, it was going south long before that happened. So, you know, I think when the political atmosphere changes, some of those policies are going to change. Chuck, if in fact brownouts are a reality, uh, is anybody talking about how long? Are we talking minutes, hours, uh, days? What are we talking about? Has anybody even uh, addressed that? Well, the utility told us that when it happens, they're hoping it's going to be short durations of 15 maybe 20 minutes and i said how's that going to work and they said well we're going to rotate who gets shut off first and and we'll rotate that as they come around well who wants to be first you know i don't my people need it just as well much as anybody else and you know what about the senior citizens that are out there that can't afford a a generator to back them up and they're going to be sitting in this heat and that kind of thing that's the stuff we got to worry about we we got to figure out something, and it's not—it's not something that we can that we can stop because we're at the mercy of a MISO, who's where we buy our our, our power. And the mayor was right. Now we're to the point where we used to generate the power. Now we have to sell the power to MISO and then buy it back from them, which is—it's almost a monopoly. It's crazy, and uh, I don't know what the answer is, Sam. All I know is that we need some some. Quick thinkers and somebody thinking outside the box to figure this out, but we can't. We can't do this to our, our ratepayers. We can't. 
Uh, put your political hat on. Analyze the Republican primary for governor. I think that is four weeks from tomorrow. We go to the polls. Uh, how do you? Not who you're going to endorse. Not who you're going to vote for. How do you analyze it at the moment? The Republican uh, primary for governor. Well, I think I think Irwin probably has a has the edge right now because of the amount of money he has. But uh, you know, Bailey's not going away. I think that. I've I've heard polls that shows Bailey up ahead downstate. Uh, Sullivan is uh, probably close, but he's a third. I just don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know if Bailey pulls it off, but uh, you're going to see with the big money that Irwin has. I think that uh, he'll probably end up coming out of the primary, and that's just my guess. Uh, it, it, but it, I tell you something: Bailey's been campaigning for well over a year. Yes, he has. He's, yep. he's, he's locking up these small counties everywhere, so he's going to be tough. Uh, how about the Secretary of State one? Uh, two pretty good names, uh, locally anyway. John Milheiser, everybody knows John Milheiser. And uh, then uh, Representative Brady, Senator Brady, uh, no relation to Bill Brady, by the way. But Dan Brady, uh, that's going to be an interesting race. I really believe that. I think Brady really locked up. You talk about county chairman. He locked up a lot of those county chairmen when he first announced early. Listen, I know both of them, both quality guys. Uh, John Milheiser was, is, was our state's attorney and the U.S. attorney did an absolutely great job. Uh, I've known Dan Brady for a lot of years also, uh, and you're right about that. He did the same thing that Brady did. He started campaigning at least 18 months ago, and a lot of people underestimate the fact that they've been out there locking down these county chairmen, and they have. So, um, you know, again, that's going to be another tough race. Um Again, they're both friends of mine, so I'm not going to say one way or another what I think on it, but but that's going to be another tough race. But that's a race that uh, Republicans can win. And uh, I know they're, they're having problems with on the Democrat side with the city clerk up there having some problems that caused her to fall back. But uh, Gene Ellis, he's got issues, buddy. No, that's what they say. <laughs> and they're all going to come out. They're all going to come out in the general election. Uh, I keep hearing that same thing. Hey, thanks, Chuck. Have a, thanks for checking in with us today. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, guys. You too. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.